And uh, as I said before, today we will be reading from verse 13 uh, through verse 26. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive in to the word of God. It says in verse 13, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you, on you yourself and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this day, this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hell to fall, such as has never been in Egypt from the day it is founded until now. Now, therefore, send Get your livestock and all that you have in the field into a safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hells falls when the hell falls on them. Then whoever feared the, the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried their his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the, word, or then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hell in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant in the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder, thunder, excuse me, thunder and hell and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hell upon the land of Egypt. There was hell and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hell, very heavy hell, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. The hell struck down everything that was in the field and all in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hell struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hell. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we are continuing our sermon series on the characteristics of God's righteous judgment. And we're, that is, the focal point of that is, uh, starts in chapter 8 and goes all the way, all the way through chapter 14. And uh, in chapter 8 through 14, that's where the, uh, the plagues are found in God's word. Uh, so, so basically, we're studying the plagues, but we're not looking at every single detail of every single plague. The important thing when we look at the plague is what we can learn about God's judgments, uh, who God is and, and how his judgments are and what that could teach us about today uh, in the lives that we live. Um, so the priority is to learn about God and his holiness. And, uh, and we learn about that through the way he executes his judgments. In this case, they're the plagues. 
that are being executed on Egypt and Israel. Let me include Israel as well. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago, how we see God's grace and mercy towards Israel in that he saves them uh, from uh, the, the catastrophe of these plagues. An example of that is today, uh, as we read in verse, in verse 26, how the hell fell everywhere else but in the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. So, you know, these plagues are very, very interesting, especially if you start looking into the details of each and every plague. But again, as you read them, I want you to remember that they're secondary to what we learn about God. Um, and, and that goes, that, that's, a, that's a rule of thumb for anything we read in the Bible. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are very interesting in, in themselves, but everything in the Bible is there to point us back to the Lord, right? Because that's the reason why we read the Bible. That's the reason why we study his word. We don't do it just to find out something about ourselves. We do it to learn about the Lord, about God, who he is, what he does. And, and then in, after we learn about the Lord, then we learn how we should respond. And, and these plagues are no different. They're, they're the same. So again, they are secondary to what we are going to learn about God's holiness here and how that applies to us today. When we look at these plagues, he used them as signs and wonders. And there is a specific reason why he used them in that way. And it says it over and over and over uh, through chapters 8 through 14. He used these plagues so that everyone, Egyptians, Israelites, and anyone else who would ever hear these stories and or read these stories would know that he is the Lord. Plain and simple. So in other words, he did it for his honor and his glory. We say that today, right? Well, the Lord does not change. He did it then for his honor and his glory so that his, his power and his might may be displayed before those who opposed him and also those who worshipped him. So that's very important for us to remember. So far, we've talked about the following plagues, or excuse me, so far in this series, we've, we've preached about the following topics. Uh, the wrath of God being revealed against men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We use Pharaoh as our example here, and we saw how Pharaoh, uh, we, we saw Pharaoh and the power of God, how he saw the power of God, but never acknowledged God as Lord over his life. He could never uh, fully come to that conclusion. He continued to believe in himself and his own power. And we saw how that ended for Pharaoh. Um, it ended in a tragic death, of course, as, we, as you go through uh, the book of Exodus. You see that in chapter 14. Um, we also have talked about God, how he judges the hearts of men. Uh, and he and when he does that, that means he knows our motives. Our Pharaoh was our example again, how Pharaoh's heart remained hard. There are times when Pharaoh is sorry for what he's done, but he's only sorry because of what he is going through. He's only sorry because of the consequences of his actions. He's not truly repentful. So he maintained a hard heart the whole time as God was punishing uh, the nation of Egypt. And then we see the Lord, how he protects and he upholds his people while he's judging the nations. It is very true. The Lord has promised us that he would never forsake us and he would never leave us. 
That is covenantal language that is spoke to us from the very beginning of the Bible that is reserved for his people. And that is a promise he has for his people that he would never forsake them and he would never leave them. And we see we see that here in, in chapters 8 through 14 in the way the Lord protects the Israelites yet while he is executing judgment on the nation of Egypt. So we see all that and that's what we've talked about that. And that's what we've talked about. In our text today, we see the importance of taking notice of God's forewarnings in the Bible. Uh, there, there are a lot of forewarnings in the Bible about, uh, about a final judgment. Uh, there are a lot of forewarnings in the Bible about a judgment to come on those people in that day. We see a bunch of that in the Bible, and I don't know how much of it we read into and say and think that judgment is coming. I don't know if we ever doubt that judgment will come. I don't know when we share the word of the Lord. I don't know when we share the gospel. I don't know if we're sharing about that judgment day. I think it's extremely important for us to share that with people uh, and to bring these warnings to light because these warnings in the Bible are there for a reason and they're there to get us to think of our fate and how lost we are if we do not have Christ. They're extremely important. Uh, so, so we need to really think about that uh, as we read our text today. For us, for us as believers, it means that the, that the Lord is surely to come and he will not relent his judgment when he arrives. As we read this story here, it teaches us about that. In fact, our sermon summary is this, and this is based on 2 Peter 3, 7. The heavens and the earth that now exist are being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That's a pretty heavy sermon summary for the day, isn't it? Let me read that again. The heavens and the earth that now exist are being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So let's go back to the seventh plague that we just read, and we'll, we will get to where the sermon summary is going to take us, or we will get to, this, to the sermon summary uh, let's talk about the seventh plague and let's talk about this, this thunderstorm of hell. Uh, so far in Exodus, the Lord has brought on the following plagues. He, we have seen him uh, change the Nile from water to blood. Uh, amazing. Affected the whole nation, uh, just changed it. Didn't change the color to look like blood, changed it to blood. Uh, we also saw frogs fill the land. And it was very detailed to, to let us know that in filling the land, they filled homes. They were all over the place. A great nuisance on the people. Um, then we saw gnats fill the land. There are some that believe that these gnats were actually mosquitoes. Um, but then there are some that believe that they were actually gnats. Regardless, uh, if you've ever been outside, let's say they were gnats. You've ever been outside and you have about four or five gnats around you. It is it is just it just gets on your nerves and imagine with the land filled with gnats. That's beyond getting on your nerves. Uh, that, that is a crisis. Um, and then from there, 
the Lord brought flies to cover everyone and everything. I think I disgusted everyone a couple weeks ago when I talked about the flies, and we saw how bad of, of a plague that was. Then we see the cattle and the livestock, we, they, they die. And obviously, that was a big financial loss on everyone there. Uh, and then we see sores on human skin. And now we see this devastating thunderstorm uh, that, that includes hell. The, law, the Lord brought these plagues on Pharaoh and his people as judgment because Pharaoh would not let the people go to worship the Lord. And that is a reoccurring theme that we see in these chapters. He just would not let them go. Uh, he saw himself as Lord over them and giving them up meant that he was giving them up to someone who was more powerful than he and he would not let them go. See, in the years past, Pharaoh had placed himself as Lord over the Israelites, and he had made them suffer. Now the Lord will show Pharaoh who really is sovereign. Uh, Look at Exodus 9, verses 14 through 16. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself. This is the Lord speaking to Pharaoh through Moses. And on your servants and on your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I'm going to send these on you, these plagues on you and your people. You cannot, you're not going to be able to do anything about it so that you know that you're not God. You're not divine. I am the one who is God. I am the one who is sovereign. You and your people are going to know that. Then listen to what the Lord says to Pharaoh. For by now, I, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. He, essentially, he's saying, I could have ended you by now. I, I could have done away with you and your people by now. But listen to this. This is a very heavy verse. For this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. I say that's a heavy verse because at that point, as, as I was putting my sermon together, I put notes on here. For us to just pause for a second. We, we need to pause and we need to ponder this verse. We need to think about it. And we need to pause and praise. We need to praise the Lord that our fate is not as Pharaoh's. We need to just praise the Lord that we have not been lifted up to be destroyed. Because it could have easily been us. But the Lord, have had, the Lord has had mercy on us. When we speak about Pharaoh, he was raised up to be destroyed. That's exactly what the verse says. Let's read it again. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Pharaoh was raised to be destroyed so that the, na- the Lord's name would be proclaimed. Listen to this very carefully. You, you who are in Christ, you were raised to be saved so that his name would be proclaimed. How beautiful is that? We could have been the ones who have been raised to be destroyed so his name would be proclaimed, but instead, God has chosen you. 
He has put his spirit in you. He has given you grace and mercy. You have been raised up to be saved so his name can be proclaimed. What an awesome God we serve. We do not deserve him, but yet he loves us regardless. And when we speak about the plague of hell or the thunderstorm that, it, that had hell in it, as we speak about that today, we need to realize that it was extremely terrible. Let's just go back to the passage. The passage tells us a lot about that storm. Um, and, and as we read this, we need to realize what the, the things that God can do is truly frightening. I, I know that in today's world, and, and especially in, in, in the lives of, of churches today, there's not a lot of talk about how frightening God can be. There's a lot of talk about God is love. Um, but we, we can't, we can't go, go over his holiness and just focus on his love. It's all a part of who he is. Um, so what God can do is truly frightening. Uh, listen to this. Or, and it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, where the Lord says that he will judge his people and how it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that is proof as we read about this uh, plague specifically. First off, the storm God sent was a historic storm. Uh, look at verse 18, chapter 9, verse 18. It says, Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hell to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. It was a historic storm. The, the people who, who lived through this storm, who witnessed it, had never seen anything like it before. Um, this storm, it also consisted of flashes of fire, which is scary enough as it's, uh, in itself. Uh, all that translates to is a, a wonderful, uh, terrible display uh, of lightning. But they were flashes of fire during the whole time um, that it held. They, they lit up the sky and there was very heavy hell, it says. And it repeats that a couple of times in our passages. When the Bible, when the passage refers to it being heavy, it means two things. It means in size and also in severity. So it was very heavy. Uh, I, I don't know how big these things were, but they were the, these balls of hell, but they were big enough to kill animals. They were big enough to kill humans. They were big enough to uh, knock down trees, so you can just only imagine how big uh, the hell was, and not only that, but the severity of it. It wasn't like maybe one or two of these heavy uh, hell balls that were coming down. They were all just coming down and just plummeting towards the earth and destroying everything that they hit. Um, it, this reminds me of, of, of a little hell storm that Jonah and I drove through about maybe about three months ago. Joan and I, we were driving back from town, and all of a sudden, it looked like it was raining, but I could start seeing small little BB-sized hell hitting the, uh, the, the, the truck and bouncing off. And then I started looking at the street, and they were bouncing all over the place, and it was coming down pretty heavy. And I told Jonah, I said, it's, it's hailing outside. And as we're riding, and Jonah's looking out, and, I, and it came to mind, and stuff like this always happens to me. And, and I don't know why I do the things that I do, but I came to mind, I was like, I wonder if these things hurt. And I remember telling Jonah that, I wonder if it hurts. 
And we're driving about 45 miles per hour, and this, this hell is coming down. And I said, Jonah, stick out your hand to see if it hurts. And Jonah's like, no, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. So then I stick my hand out, and I let the hell hit my hand, and it hurt. It hurt, but guess what daddy did? I put my hand back in, and I said, oh, it doesn't hurt. And Jonah stuck his hand out, <laughs> and he said, it hurts. I said, I know, I did that on purpose, son. I'm trying to teach you a lesson. <laughs> but I, I just remember going through that, and, and, and how small that was, and it reminded me how devastating an actual hailstorm could be. I've seen vehicles that have dents all over them, and, and those aren't even that big, but yet they cause destruction. Uh, so what the Lord brought on this day to the land of Egypt was devastating. And as I said before, what the Lord can do is frightening. That should prompt us all the more to cling to Christ. Because it is, again, as Hebrews says, it is a frightening thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So this storm was epic in that it struck down everything that was in the field and all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hell struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. That's what verse 25 says. Now, the severity of this storm cannot go unnoticed you see, until now, the Bible, as we're reading these plagues through chapters 8 and 14, the Bible had not mentioned human casualties in the prior plagues. Maybe we assumed, but the Bible had not been specific to say that anyone had died. But in this plague, it said that men, livestock, were, were dead because of the hell. So it was extremely devastating um, the Lord's judgment uh, was in full effect here um, but only in the land of Goshen where the people of Israel were was there no hell so imagine you're living in that land you're an Israelite you're looking around everything else is being destroyed and you know what's going on Moses has told you God is going to do a mighty work he's going to show Pharaoh that he is the Lord and you're watching everything happen, and yet nothing's happening in your camp. Imagine your reaction to that. I would hope that my reaction would be to fall flat on my face and worship the Lord and thank him for his grace and mercy. We, we have the same thing today. We're not seeing it before our eyes, but yet God has given us this hope that one day there will be people who will fall into the hands of the living God. They will face his wrath. We will be like the Israelites. Those who trust in Christ will be like the Israelites. We will be protected. We will see that happen. And on that day, we will fall to our knees thanking the Lord for his mercy and his grace. You see, because it is easy to see God's mercy and grace for the Israelites because they're not suffering like Everyone else in Egypt is suffering. So it's easy for us to, to see that and say, I, I want to be like that. Um, but his grace and mercy was even available to those other than the Israelites who were in Egypt. So it was available even to the Egyptians. Let's read verses uh, 18 through 21 again. Behold, about this time tomorrow... 
I will cause very heavy hell to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now here it goes. Here's the grace and mercy. Now therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. That's the warning. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hell falls on them. I count that as grace. The Lord just didn't open up the sky and hell hell fell and killed everybody. There was a warning. There was a warning to all the Egyptians. This is what is going to happen. Now heed this warning. Go and get everything and everyone you love and bring them to safe shelter. Then it says, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. You see, before the Lord executed his judgment through this plague, and I I might add the others because there was warning uh, with the others, uh, but here specifically, he gave an opportunity to the people of Egypt to hear his word, to hear his warning, and to respond in obedience. And as we read, there are some who heeded his warning, and then there are some who did not pay attention to the word of the Lord. And then we see the results for both. Those who were obedient and, and, and heard his warning and did as he said, they lived through it. And eventually they were okay. The others who did not, they suffered loss. So, what does that teach us today? See, there are important lessons that we can learn within this text about God's judgment. And there are three that jump out at me right away. And then once we talk about these three things, we're going we're gonna to jump to our conclusion and, and talk about how we can respond to a text like this so but there are three things first of all when we think about God's judgment and what that can teach us about God's judgment or what this story can teach us about God's judgment is that God's judgment is definite it will happen there is nothing that will stop it God does not change his mind now I know that's a that's a popular thing that goes through the minds of some that somehow they're going to convince God not to do what he has said he's going to do. Um, there are some who proclaim that, uh, you know, in the end, that God's word is not completely accurate because in the end, everyone's just going to go to heaven and we're all going to enjoy each other's fellowship. There is, going to, there is no hell. God is only love and it's only going to happen this way. But his word is very specific to say that there is a separation from him. That there is a way to be lost. And there is a way to be saved. And and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he does not change his mind about that. It doesn't matter what we try to do to convince him. It doesn't matter that if we think we are going to trick him. None of that matters. God does not change his mind what he has said he is going to do it is going to happen it is definite you see in theological terms God is immutable and he's impassable 
And those two things, what impassable means, this is what uh, J.I. Packard says about the impassibility of God. It means simply that God's experiences do not come upon him as ours come upon us. His are foreknown, they are willed, and they are chosen by himself and are not involuntary surprises forced on him from outside apart from his own decision in the way that ours regularly are. What that's saying basically is that God does not react to us. He does not react to us. What he has already said in his word, what he has revealed to us in his word, he will do. How many parents are out there where you try to be tough with your kids, right? And you say, if you do that, I am going to do this. And they do it, right? If you do that again, I am going to do this. And as kids do, they test you and they do it again. And then finally, after trying to give them all the opportunity you can, you have to do what you originally said. But guess what? You've already messed up because you didn't do it when you said you were going to do it. God is not like us. Not at all. God has said, I am going to do this, period. You better listen. You better take my warning seriously because this is what's going to be done. Doesn't matter how much you cry. Doesn't matter how much you whine. It doesn't matter what you try to do at that moment. It's not going to change anything for you. For the Lord has spoken. That's something very heavy that we learn from this story. The other thing that we learn. Not only is it definite, talking about his judgments, but there is grace there. God gives grace in that there is a warning. He doesn't just make this happen. There is a warning. And for us, there is a warning. And you know what that warning is? It is the gospel. The gospel warns us of a coming judgment of the Lord. And since God doesn't change his mind and he doesn't react to us. We must know that that judgment is coming. The day of the Lord will come. But we have been warned so that when it comes, we cannot say you did not warn us. He has warned us. He has warned us in his word. And we are reminded of that every time the gospel is preached. We are reminded of what God is going to do. But we are also reminded of what God has done for us already. And that he died on the cross for our sins. Our responsibility is to believe in faith that he is our Lord and Savior and repent from our sins. That's what goes along with the gospel. That is the warning we receive. And then the third thing is this. This is what, what, what I learned reading through, those, uh, reading through this plague specifically. Number one, it's def- his judgments are definite. Uh, he warns us. He gives an opportunity to repent and be saved. And thirdly, this is our part. We must obey or we will suffer the wrath 
There must be a response from us. And, and listen very carefully to me. A no response, or not doing anything at all, rather, not doing anything at all is a response. Just sitting there and thinking, I'm going to sit on this another day, that's a response. That's the wrong response. The only true and good response to what the Lord has warned us about is to obey him and trust in the Lord for our salvation. That's the only good response that we have. Now, let's grab our Bibles. Let's turn them to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to end with this. This is the fun part of the sermon. This is where we get to uh, talk about how it applies more specifically to our life and how we should respond. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm... I'm looking at verses 1 through 18, but I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to read portions of them. But 1 through 18 fit perfectly with what I'm talking about today and and the day of the Lord. But first, let me set it up. Since scripture has shown us this facet of God's judgment, and since he does not change, again, we must take him at his word. There's one thing that we must realize as we read through the Bible is that the Lord is consistent in executing judgment when he says he will do it. Now, when we look at at the text of our text today, um, we see that similar similar language is used in Exodus. Uh, Today, his word gives us a warning of his coming judgment. And that's what I when, when I refer to the day of the Lord, that's what I mean. Now listen, in Exodus, Moses gives Pharaoh a warning. He provides him a chance to escape the judgment and then describes what the judgment is. When we think about the gospel, it is the same for us. God has done the same for us today. Uh, Look at 2 Peter 3, verse 7. And this is just one of many places where we can see this type of passage and this type of warning. It says here, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That sound familiar? Right? Because that was our sermon summary. I told you we'd get there. The destruction of the ungodly. What does that mean? Well, when we look at the ungodly, we we know that it does not mean those who are perfect. Because then we would all be destroyed. The ungodly are classified and they are defined uh, by those who do not have faith in Christ. Only Christ makes us right before the eyes of God. So only placing our faith in him, being washed in the blood, right? We, We sing that. Being washed in the blood makes us white as snow. That's what makes us, that's what separates us from the ungodly. We're not any better, but we have been given grace and mercy. So as we read this text, we know that there is a day of judgment coming, and that day of judgment is for the destruction of the ungodly. That is the warning. Now for believers... You don't, you don't see anything in there about the destruction of believers. We have been promised something else. 
So this kind of text should cause us to celebrate in the fact that, again, we are not like Pharaoh. We are not raised to be destroyed. Rather, we are raised to be saved so that his name could be proclaimed. So, so that text in itself should bring joy to our hearts that we are in Christ. But listen, if you are not in Christ, if you are not a believer, if you have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and, and what I mean Savior, I mean the Savior of your life and your soul, of your everything. If you have not seen him in that light, then this is a warning. It will happen And the purpose of this judgment is the destruction of the ungodly. And let me say, let me add to this and let you know and remind you of what I've already said. There is nothing that you can do to change his mind. It doesn't matter if you're the type of person who has lived his entire life and you have found a way to change people's mind about you. Let's just say that you're very clever You're very clever. You know how to talk to people. You know how to see, make them see someone who you're not. The Lord judges the heart. There's no tricking him. And he doesn't change his mind. So let's go forward. Verses 8 through 9. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We talked about the warning. Here's the grace. Just like the Lord told Pharaoh, I could have destroyed you and your people. But I didn't do that. The Lord could have destroyed us, but he hasn't done that. But rather, he has been patient with you, not wishing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance. That is the grace that is available to you today. But then here comes the terrible part. Here comes the judgment that is coming. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That is the warning. Now, As I said, you need to go back and read verses 1 through 18 and you're going to get the full picture of it. But but I I have a purpose this morning. I I want those who are not in Christ to see what they are heading towards. I want them to see what is going to happen. Obviously, Paul Peter talks about the beloved and how the beloved's fate is not like the ungodly fate. That instead of destruction, we are called up from the four winds by his angels, and we are with the Lord forever. But the focus today is on those who do not trust the Lord. This is the judgment that you face. So then, what should your response be? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are 
waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. That first response is for the believer. When Peter uses the word beloved, he's talking to the church. And he says, since you are waiting on these things, be diligent. That means be at work always at these things. To be found by him without spot or blemish. What does that mean? Well, to be walking in the spirit. That's what it means. Not to be walking in the flesh. Not to be indulging in sinful desires, but rather to focus on God and his will and and, and his kingdom. And to surrender our lives to him. That's what it means. So for believers to, to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. Why should we be at peace when everything's going to be falling apart? Because we have seen the Lord do this before. When we go back to the plague of the thunderstorm and the hell, everything around the land of Goshen was being destroyed, but yet nothing touched Goshen. That's why we can be at peace when the day of the Lord comes. Those, who, those of us who have placed our trust in him. Verse 15. Now, this would be for the, for the person who does not believe. They should count the patience of the Lord as salvation or as an opportunity for salvation. If you are here and you have never trusted in the Lord and you are still alive and breathing today and walking upright, you need to see that as God's grace. You need to see that as a chance of salvation. The Lord has not done away with you. In fact, he has brought you here to this place to hear the gospel, to hear the word of the the Lord. And maybe you've been coming here for some time and you've heard the word over and over and over. He has given you that opportunity for salvation. You're here this morning and you have that opportunity. You have that opportunity to call on the Lord and be saved. And then the third thing we see is in verse 18. Again, this would be for the beloved. This would be for the church to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So for believers, our response should be to diligently diligently be found by him without spot or blemish, to be at peace, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord knowing that that day will come, proclaiming the word of God to everyone, saying judgment is coming. For those who do not believe, the response should be to trust in Christ. I don't know how much we look at the terrible day that that is awaiting those who Uh, do not trust in Christ. I don't know how much we see that and say, yeah, this is going to happen. It could happen at any time. In fact, it's going to happen when we least expect it because that's what the Lord has said. For those who believe, I want that to cause a couple of things in you. First of all, I want that to cause, I, I want you to be at peace with the Lord's protection over your life. But I also want that text to prompt you to share the word of God. It is important. It is important for you to share it when you have the opportunity to do so. 
it is important for you not to give up on that person that you are sharing it with because you know that his life is at stake, his soul is at stake. We must always be ready to share the word of God. We, we carry around in our fragile vessel, our, our body, we carry around this wonderful aroma of Christ. This wonderful treasure that we can give to somebody else. And if they respond to that, if, if, if God saves them, then they don't have to worry about that day of judgment. Be in prayer for those who do not believe. Share the word with them and be in prayer for them. And let's pray somehow, some way that, that the Lord can use our body, our church, to bring them to saving faith. Let us pray.